Andrews this morning. Great to have you in church on this Sunday. It is class very close to the end of the year, isn't it? Fast becoming a moment where we will change over, transition to 2019. So uh, really, uh, I suppose in some ways it's uh, just another month next month. It really is. So in some ways it's special, in some ways it's pretty normal. But I hope and pray that 2019 for all of us will be an incredibly blessed and wonderful year, as will the rest of this month. Hey, all our children this morning, our uh, like 11 down, they're welcome to go right now back to Michelle and she'll give you a pack and it's got some crayons, it's got some activities in there so you can grab them. Is that cool? You can go right now and grab your pack. Um, they look so good. So take a moment because I know there's no children's church this morning and um, we appreciate all our children so we just wanted to give them something in line with what we're sharing this month about Jesus and the birth of Christ so they can take that and enjoy that. Um, just so you're aware, um, it's next Sunday we have no night service, okay, because the Tuesday after that will be Christmas but this Sunday there's a night service, okay. So tonight, normal night service tonight, special guest speaker tonight. So, um, um, so obviously it's not me, but uh, so that'll be tonight, normal service tonight. Great. Who's on holidays? Fair few. Who's gone on holidays? Well, you're here. How could you be? Oh, no, anyway. There's obviously a fair few people away. That's cool. Understand. I wanted to turn your attention again to the story, the nativity story of Jesus' birth, but um, and I want to read Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. Uh, so we'll uh, just, I'll just read that to you. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. <clears throat> After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Can I just pause there for a moment? I know I've mentioned this, but I just want to mention it again. Sometimes we read this verse and we, we, we wonder what's happening between Mary and Joseph. They're betrothed. In other words, they are classed as man and wife. Okay, but this is before, the, the Bible says before they came together. In other words, what was, what was going on? Jewish culture was simply this, is that when a couple were betrothed or when they were committed to each other in marriage, the woman stayed, the lady stayed in her parents' household for up to a year or more before that final commitment she made of coming over and living with her husband-to-be. So even though she's not Mary, wasn't living with Joseph at this stage, they were husband and wife. They were married. It's just that they hadn't kind of, he hadn't come into her household, she, they haven't consummated the marriage, for those who are, understand what that word means, I'll let you understand that, but they hadn't, you know, there was a commitment, but there was going to be that last step that they were yet to take, and that was Mary to come into the household of Joseph. So in this period between Mary coming, living with her family, married to Joseph, but still yet to make that last step of commitment over to live with Joseph, um, she fell pregnant. Probably not the best time, you would say, in the whole scheme of things, to fall pregnant. Would you agree? Um, it, it, in the sense of uh, 
Jewish culture and, and morality and all those type of things. But anyway, then verse 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought, why was he going to do that? Because anyway, we'll talk about that. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name in Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You'll find that verse in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Way back in the Old Testament part of the Bible, you'll find that verse. So Matthew is quoting from Isaiah. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, that was Mary, and did not, verse 25, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name what? Jesus. Jesus. I asked myself as I read this passage, why Joseph? Why would, you, why would God choose Joseph, just an ordinary man who was just a carpenter? I mean, in Israel's day, there were hundreds of carpenters. Why Joseph, an ordinary man? Why not a soldier? You know, do you ever think about it this way? Why, why didn't God choose a soldier to be Jesus' earthly father? Not his, his, his um, uh, natural father, of course, you know, but just the, the man who looked after him and helped him grow up. Why didn't he choose a soldier? I mean, Herod was hell-bent on destroying um, so many people's lives when he, he had so many children under the age of two murdered in Bethlehem. Thankfully, uh, you know, maybe Jesus could have done with some serious protection and had a, you know, some kind of man skilled in the craft of, you know, battle. And, but he didn't pick a soldier, he picked Joseph, just an ordinary carpenter. Well, I was thinking, why not, why not a, um, a wealthy man of influence? Why not, why wouldn't Jesus, why didn't God pick someone like that? I mean, a wealthy man could have, um, because Jesus became a really influential person in his lifetime, influenced hundreds and hundreds of people in, his, in the place he lived. Um, and, you know, if it was a wealthy dad, he could have, um, you know, he could have bankrolled his ministry. And, you know, we wouldn't have had the Judas issue with, you know, looking after the money and, you know, and taking money out of the bag and all those problems. So why not a dad who was wealthy? Well, he didn't. He chose an ordinary man called Joseph. What about a politician? What about a pol- I mean, Jesus was born at a, at, at a time when, when um, society uh, was politically charged. There were so many leaders who were just corrupt in Jesus' day in the Roman Empire. Even the priests themselves, some of them, you know, weren't that good of leaders. And, and so politically, it, was, it, it probably could do with a good man who could be a politician and uphold righteousness. And so why didn't Jesus kind of choose, oh, sorry, God choose a righteous dad? I'm like a politician. I know those two words sometimes don't go together, but there is those men and women out there who do seek to do the right thing. But God didn't choose... A politician, he chose a carpenter, Joseph. And so I was contemplating why Joseph, and I've come to realize that Joseph's greatest, the, the greatness of Joseph was not in his position, church, it was in his person. It wasn't in his title, it wasn't in his ability. 
He wasn't in his talent. All those things are wonderful to have, but it was in his person, not his position. It was in his character. It was in the things about Joseph that um, made him worthy uh, by God and trusted by God to be able to be a father, didn't father him, but a father to Jesus and a husband to Mary uh, and look after this young man as he grew up and become a man and fulfilled purposes that God had for him. It was Joseph's person and character and not his position. Sometimes we think that maybe God likes us because of our ability and talents. God loves your ability and talents. He's given you many of them, use them. But in the end, what he loves you is just he loves you, your person, who you are. I'm thankful for that. And far and above anything we do, we're his creation. But one of the things God loves to see in our lives is our person, our character. He loves to see the qualities of God come through. Not the miracle working power, which I love and we all need, but just that character and qualities of God coming through in our lives. That God would say, there is a person I can trust. There's a person I can trust. And he said, there's a man called Joseph I can trust with my son, Jesus Christ. I can trust this man. I think that's a one. If, if I get to the end of my life and God, all God says he, he, he doesn't see all that I've, he won't see all that I've done necessarily. He won't see all the wonderful things. But what he'll see is what he could just trust me with. What he could trust me with. Did I, did I love his son? Did I just um, serve him diligently? Was I obedient? Was I, you know, I think that is a great quality of the Christian walk. So let's look at it for a moment this morning. Let's explore it. Joseph had the character necessary for the one who would provide a family and a home for the Son of God. Joseph had a character that would deal with the special circumstances of Christ's conception. And you needed to be pretty understanding of that, hey? Uh, And Joseph was the one. He had the character that pleased God, that qualified him uh, to be the man that God trusted. So can we just look at some things this morning quickly about Joseph? And it's in these verses that I read to you that we can choose. We can pull these verses out and expand them and develop them according. Um, because there's always, you know, you look at the Bible and there's so much behind so much of the truth that's written in the Bible. And you've just got to take time sometimes just to meditate and just read it a couple of times and say, Father, what do you mean there? Because it says in verse 19 that Joseph of what we read. Then Joseph, her husband, Mary's husband, being a what? Being a just man. Um, and not wanting to make her, make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Here's their first thing. Joseph was a just man. He was a just man. You might, what's the just mean? What's just mean? Well, if we were to break it down, it basically means, means a person with good principles. It means a person who's fair. Okay, you ever met a fair person? They're good people to be around. A person who's not legalistic, this is what, this is what um, just means. A person who's not vengeful, not bitter, not self-centered. A person who seems to be a person who has acts of love towards others. This is what the word just means. It's a pretty good quality, would you agree? Pretty good quality. Joseph says, God says about, uh, well, Matthew writes about Joseph. He says he was a just man. And it's interesting because... It was all about his character. Now, whenever you have a character trait that's a good character trait, you never really know whether it's, that character trait is a strength until it's really tested. Would you agree? You know, if you're a great lover of people, sometimes you know, your love for people will be tested. 
You know, if, 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 you've got, if you've got integrity in some area of morality, it's going to be tested sometimes because how can you ever prove that you have that quality unless it is tested? You know, to be a great dad, it'll be tested to be a great dad or a great mum. And, you know, can we fulfill those you know, requirements of being that? It's always things of any worth will be tested. And Joseph was no, uh, no different here. Um, you can appreciate Joseph's anguish when he found out in that period between when Mary, they were married, they were husband and wife, but between the being betrothed and coming into his household, Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. That would have been, uh, that would have been a day that would, be, would create some element of anguish for Joseph, some element of disappointment. A whole lot of emotions would have rolled around in his head. You can appreciate that he would have been thinking, that's not a great way to have, start a marriage. What are people going to think of me? I would think that. You know, what are they going to think of me outwardly? Um, you know, I, I, I seem to be a righteous man, but I, they think that, I've, that I've, I've been intimate with Mary before she comes into my household. You know, physically intimate. Are they going to think that? Of course they're possibly going to think that. Joseph, what have you been up to? You know? What are they going to think of Mary? I mean, outwardly seems to be an upright Jewish young lady, uh, inward, uh, you know, inwardly having self-control. Um, and now, it doesn't seem like that's the case. She's pregnant and possibly, you know, people are assuming I'm the father. What are they thinking of Mary? What are they thinking of me? What do I think of Mary? Just imagine what Joseph was thinking. What do I think? Playing around with another man behind my back and we're married, you know. I know not we haven't consummated it, but, you know, she has obviously been mucking up. And, and that was adultery, church, which in Jewish law was subject to stoning. So this is a big deal. And Joseph is facing all these emotions, but the Bible says he was a just man. And we see in his response, he, instead of... He's privately going to take Mary and he's going to call it off privately. Because the, the, the possible thing that he could have done, if his character wasn't just, if he wasn't admirable, if he wasn't, thankfully didn't have that vengeful kind of ha attitude or, or, you know, he could have, um, he could have privately, he, he, privately he said, I'm going to call it off, but he could have done it publicly. And he would have been, in some ways, in many people's eyes, justified to publicly dismiss his wife and tell everybody, hey, I just want you to know I had nothing to do with this. I'm washing my hands of this whole thing. I wasn't involved. Um, but she's been obviously doing something behind my back, your back, and he could have publicly exposed her. But because he was just, he wasn't vengeful or bitter, he said, you know, I'll just put, put her away quietly. That was the first thing we see about the justness of Joseph's life. Think about it for a moment. Because the truth is, if Joseph is seen as a man who can't control his passions and has been involved with Mary before he comes into her household, that was seen as fornication. And that would have been seen that he was a man who couldn't be trusted. And he would have stained his parents' name he would have stained his own household people would have seen oh that's the they're the parents of the son who couldn't con control himself oh uh, they're the ones that, you know and, and so there was a whole lot at stake here and yet joseph had to joseph didn't do it publicly he didn't want to do it publicly um he 
to clear his name. He was privately going to deal with it. And that's a sign of not wanting to make it worse for the other person, even though maybe they've done something wrong. You don't want to pull them down and just completely destroy their lives. What a great attribute to have. We don't have to go and, you know, make it, yell out and tell everybody, oh, this is the person who done this. No. That we have a heart of, of just right, uprightness that wants to protect in some way and wants to see this person while still Joseph wanting to close off the marriage because divorced her because of the circumstances he thought and assumed that she is involved in, he still had a heart that was just. I think that's a great quality. Because if he was to have exposed her to clear his own name, he could have, uh, he could have done that, but he didn't. See, God chose Joseph because God needed a man to do the right thing in the midst of a seemingly unjust situation. Because in the end, as we know, Joseph, Joseph went to sleep one night, had this incredible dream. God spoke to him and said, take Mary as your wife. What's conceived in her is the whole, of the Holy Spirit. What's conceived in her is not of any person, not of any man's seed. It's the Holy Spirit's seed. So you can, I'm trusting you. You can trust me. This is true. So we see um, Joseph uh, was just in that he then, despite any, what anybody thought, despite the reputation that might, he might have gained through taking Mary in that final commitment of his wife, he stood up and said, hey, I'll do what God wants. It was, it was a just man. We, we do live in a world of injustice, don't we? We live in a world that continually um, says, given the opportunity, they're happy to make, make, take, make mileage out of someone else's mistakes and to justify themselves. And I find that that's, a, that's not a good thing when we have to make ourselves look good and in the same time by making someone else look bad. Even if that person has done bad things, I think the quality that we need to have is not have to make, take, get mileage out of someone else's mistakes. And we've sometimes got to zip the lip and just, you know, not talk about what other people do. And, you know, and in a sense, we look better because of what we tell, you know, they look bad. We don't need to go there. See, Micah chapter 6 verse 9, there's a little book in the Old Testament. He, he, he was a, a, a prophet. And Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, What does the Lord require of you? But to what? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. When I read that verse, I thought, that is not good English, to do justly. Who says, I'm just going to do justly? <laughs> it's not good English, is it? But it's a true statement, because I think we get the gist of it. To live justly, to have a, a, a life of living justly. And one of the greatest opportunities to do justly is to resist using someone else's mistakes against them to make ourselves look good is what Joseph had the opportunity to do. It's a big temptation, especially if it's against you. Come on. Something's happened. Someone's done something against you. Joseph had something done against him that would make him look bad. The temptation, tell everybody, clear my name. She can just work it out herself. No. See, how do we respond when given the opportunity to make ourselves look good and others bad? How do we respond? Do we zip our lip and realize we just need to bless them and pray for them? Even if, if, even if we look bad in the circumstance, can you trust your God that he will justify you in the midst of circumstances? Can you trust him that much without 
having to blow your own trumpet. That is to live justly. Um, there's a story of a farmer who grew award-winning corn. It's not a crop that we is very popular in this region of central Queensland, but in this particular farming area it was. And every year he entered the corn in the state competition and he won first prize. Blue Ribbon Award, first prize. One year a newspaper reporter interviewed him because he was just like winning it every year. And the newspaper reporter found it interesting that the, the, um, the farmer actually would share his seed, of the corn seed, with all the farms around him. And the reporter said, why would you do that? Because they're the guys, you're giving them your good seed, corn seed. They're growing good crops as well. And then they're entering their corn in this competition. And one day they might win the competition. And he says, hey, you've got to understand something. In the end, I don't mind if they win the competition. That's fine. But the truth is, if I want the quality of my corn to continue to be the highest grade, I need to give every farmer around me good quality corn seed, so they grow good quality corn because, don't you know, pollination happens and all that pollen drifts all over these farms and if they have a cheaper, lower-grade corn, it could be sown into my corn crop and eventually degrade and, you know, taint my corn crop so it is not a high quality. So to, to fix that up, I make sure that they all grow good corn as well. And the reporter said, that's amazing. He said, yes. No, it's not really. It is common sense. If I'm going to have good corn, I need them to have good corn because all that pollen will float everywhere. And I was just thinking about, isn't it a great truth for life? Your corn won't improve unless your neighbor's corn does also. <laughs> so, it's in, so it's in this world. If you want to look good, help others to look good. For the welfare of, this, of each of us is bound up with the welfare of all. And how we treat each other. And how we live justly with each other. And how we support each other. You know, maybe that person who's made a mistake just needs a just person to come alongside them and just help them to know a better way. And instead of getting upset and openly, publicly, or whatever, pulling down, you know, privately coming alongside and saying, come on, lift out of that pit and let's see you do better. You know, I think it's a just thing. Joseph was chosen by God because he was a just man. And Mary didn't need a public, you know, ridicule. She needed to be loved privately, and Joseph provided that. Praise God. Here's the second thing about Joseph I just love. A thoughtful man. It says in verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He thought about these things. Just The word thought means to be considerate. It means to ponder. It means... To think through, it means not to be impulsive, it means not to be reckless, okay? It, needs to, it means to consider others. So the word thought encompasses all of that. And it's always a great day when God speaks to you so clearly that you know the direction and the next step you're to take and everything works out really clearly. You just know. And Joseph, I mean, if you look at Joseph's example, he went to sleep one night, God gave him direct, gave him a dream, showed him clearly that what he's to do, he was to take Mary as his wife, and throughout those early days of Jesus, um, after his birth, God, uh, Joseph continued to hear from angels where to go. Go to Egypt, go to, you know, flee this place, Herod's going to kill you. So Joseph continually had angels and God's direction very clearly to him. It would seem 
it was easy for Joseph to get direction. But I want to say, um, the reality is, do you know what Joseph had to do for him to have a mind that was clear enough to receive God's wisdom? You see, he had to stop himself from his thoughts running away with him. And of all the things that I've just mentioned already prior to this point, that what do people think of me? What do people think of Mary? What's my future hold? My reputation is going to be tarnished. He had to put a stop to those thoughts. And I'm just glad that sometimes what Joseph did and what you and I need to do sometimes is just stop. Don't allow the irrational thought to cloud your brain and your mind and allow you to take you down a road that just makes the situation far worse than it should. How many of us know that when something bad goes wrong in our life, emotion rises up, doesn't it? And we think of all things, oh, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Sometimes it never happens that way. And I'm just thankful for a man called Joseph that God could trust. He stopped himself, I think, and he started to think and ponder and not be reckless in his thoughts. And when you have the opportunity or when you allow your mind to pause for a moment and to think rationally, do you know what God can do? He can put his thoughts in your mind and he can give you his direction. But when so much emotion is flying around, so much irrational thought, so much possible, oh, this is, a, this is a mess. This is going to destroy me. You never hear the voice of God in those circumstances because your emotion of fear and anger or frustration or upset or disappointment wants to control and you need to, you need to say, no, stop. Let me just ponder and think. And it's when Joseph pondered and think that God had an opportunity in a dream to speak to him. See, when we, when we stop the rubbish bombarding our head, I want to tell you, God allows the good stuff to be able to come filter into our thinking and our thoughts and our lives. When we stop from being bombarded, and we can run off with our situations and think, you know, we can kind of jump before we, we think, don't we, sometimes? So Joseph, he stopped himself from reacting badly, I believe. This is what the word thought means. And two, he gave himself to think and ponder some time to ponder what is the reality? And then when he had a clear mind, and he, you know, how often is it that we go to bed at night and we're thinking about this problem and that problem and we can't sleep properly? Joseph didn't seem to have that. He went to sleep that night. He heard clearly the voice of God through the angel. He woke up, had the answer. I think to be able to go to sleep at night and not be cluttered with so much rubbish was a man who could isolate himself from the problem and just take his time to think clearly. And then God spoke. How many of us need that? I need that every time. Give ourselves to stop and think. We actually give ourselves the opportunity to hear what God is saying. Because unless Joseph had stopped and started to ponder, he wouldn't have been in a position to hear. And that's our problem sometimes. We're so busy reacting to the problem, we never give ourselves an opportunity to align ourselves with what God is saying. Give our opportunity for ahead. I want to tell you, sometimes we don't know the truth. We don't know the answers for the future. But you know what? I've discovered something. When we just pause for a moment, sometimes it's just in worship. Sometimes it's just talking to God. Get all the emotion out of it. Just let him come and bring peace in the midst of fear and anxiety. You know what? We don't, because we don't know the answers and we don't know the truth. But you know what? As you worship the God who does know the answers and the truth, he can give it to you. He can feed it to you. I don't know the answers and the truth for the future, but I do know the God who does. 
And the more I connect and align with him, he tells me and directs my paths. It's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. See, David said this in Psalm 64, verse 1. He says, Hear my voice, O God. In my meditation, preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. David had an enemy bearing down on him. And he says, in my meditation, in my ponderings, in my thoughts, would you preserve my life, God? I don't know the answers, but I'm just going to focus on you. I know I've got someone who hates me. He wants me dead. Um, This is King David. Oh, David at that stage, he wasn't a king. But he says, God, I'm going to align my attitude and my heart with you. Because if I do, I'll make it clear for you then for me to hear your voice speaking to my heart. That's what David's saying. David also says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. We've got to be careful. Sometimes we misalign ourselves with God. We expect God to speak. He's speaking all the time, but are you listening? The trouble is that sometimes what happens is we align ourselves with irritation. We align ourselves with irrational thoughts. We align ourselves with fear and anxiety. And we never align ourselves with peace, joy, and hope. And we, thus, we, we'll only ever hear when we do align ourselves with God of peace, joy, and hope. And God speaks and he can help us. You know, I was last week, I had one of those weeks that, um, that you, you just kind of, you kind of wonder how it happens, and you kind of just um, you go, that, you know, that doesn't. Ha- I'm glad it just doesn't happen every week. Last week, um, and you just think, I'm having a terrible. What was the name of that movie? I'm having a terrible, rotten, bad day. I don't know. There's that movie. You ever seen that movie? No. No. Okay. Terrible, rotten, bad day. I was having one of those terrible, rotten, bad days, and I'd driven to Brisbane with Michelle and, Michelle and Lydia, and we um, we had to help my father-in-law who passed away. Um, in April of this year, his house is being sold. It's just sold. And last week, we had to clear out the last bit of stuff under the house. Uh, you know, it was just all rubbish, bits and pieces. You know what you collect over the years? It was stuff no one needed. And so I went to Brisbane, and we, I took my trailer, and we cleared it all out, and there was lots of stuff, and there was paint cans in there with paint in that was needed to be thrown out. And I put it all in my trailer, and I went to the... Um, ref, um, what are they, they transfer station. They don't call them rubbish tips anymore. Did you know that? Don't Google rubbish tips. It's called a transfer station. Your rubbish becomes their whatever. Um, so we went to the, at the Nunda transfer station. And I, and I didn't realize, but when I got there, one of the paint cans, which was actually plastic, had it been pierced by something, a bit of rubbish in my trailer, and the paint had spilled out in the trailer. That's not a good day, is it? Thankfully, it hadn't dribbled out, so I, didn't, I wasn't running a trail all the way to the transfer station. But when I got there, there was paint everywhere, all over the bits, and I'm picking up stuff, and Liddy was with me, and we're throwing it. Paint's getting on our hands, paint on our clothes. I stepped in the paint, and I realized later on, I've put paint in my car, on the carpet, and I'm just like, you are joking. The, the, you know, and I'm getting angry, so I come home, and I start the, I empty the trailer, I'm flushing the paint out of the, with the hose, and I'm realizing it's running down the street, and I realize this is not environmentally friendly. This is a no-no. Oh, thankfully, it was water paint, water soluble. So I, I take the trailer, and, I, and before I take the trailer, um, I kind of cleaned up 
And I saw a couple of guys walking down the street, and I'm going, <laughs> like this, I hope it disappears before they... And, you know, I was kind of thinking, is someone going to find me for this? Anyway, I thought, I'm going to take the rest of this trailer and empty it into a bucket. I'll flush it out. So I was going to push it into the yard of my father-in-law's house. And as I'm pushing it, I stepped on the plug, electrical plug that plugs into the car for all the electricity in the trailer, all the lights. You know what I'm saying? And as I step on it, it rips out of the socket and breaks off the plug. So now I have a trailer that I can't use because it's got no lights. So I push. I am like, you are joking. I push it into the yard and I flush the rest of the paint out. I do that job. And so I had to finish mowing the lawn. And I thought, I've got to, I've got to find. And I'm thinking, where am I going to find an auto electrician in, this, in, in the Nunda Toomble area, Virginia area, at this time of day, it was like two, uh, 2 o'clock. I suppose that wasn't a broad problem. And I wanted to get on the road to get back to the other side of the Ipswich to drop off some of the stuff to my family members, and I didn't want to hit peak hour at 3 o'clock. Who knows what I'm talking about? Peak hour out to Ipswich is not a nice, fun time. You're just driving real slow. And I didn't want that to happen. I thought, I've got to get this fixed. I've got to get on the road. It's all about me. And so I took this little section that I destroyed on my trailer. Thankfully, it was in sections. And I took it. I found an auto electrician in Nunder. I took it to him. And I said, could you fix this for me? I gave him my biggest smile. And he said, sure. Just give us. We're on lunch. We'll get to you soon. I say, I'm thinking in my heart, I need it now. (laughs) He says, just take a seat. We'll sort it out. I didn't say that. I looked. I smiled. And, you know, at this time, I... I hear this voice in my head, just give God praise. And I'm like, get out of my head. I don't want to praise God. (laughs) So through gritted teeth, praise you, God. Don't feel any better. Anyway, I sit there for 20 minutes. Auto electrician comes out. He takes it away for 20 minutes. He fixes it. So, and he comes out and I said, oh, how much is that? He says, no problem. Fix for free. I thought it must be my good attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I take the piece back to the trailer, I plug it all in, turn the car on, no lights. Something else is broken. I go, you, you, I just, you know, I gave God one of those, praise God, you're joking, God. No lights. I, it's now three o'clock, peak hour has started. I've got to get on the road at the Ipswich to dump off some stuff and then back to Algesta on the north side of Brisbane to catch, catch up with my mom. And all these things are happening. And, um, I had to mow the rest of the lawn, and I'm mowing the, the lawn out the back real quick. You know when you do things quick? I've got my sunglasses on as protection, you know, I don't want to cop any rocks. And I hit my head on the stupid old clothesline and whack on my temple. I'm going, whoa, and it busted my glasses. And I'm going, this is not a good day. <laughs> so, so my trailer still isn't fixed, so I, I hook it up anyway. I take it back to the auto electrician, thankfully with no lights, but thankfully just a kilometre half away at Nunda. And I pull in there and I say, buddy, I've got to get to Brisbane tomorrow. I, I need this fixed. He says, no problem. Have you, I need your trailer. I said, I've got it here. He says, bring it in. And I pull it into the auto electrician, and one auto electrician starts to work on it. They all get interested. Four guys start working. I'm thinking, this is good. I think God's finally, must have been that last praise of God I gave that... <laughs> But now God's finally working for me. Four guys finally sorted out. There was an earth wire that also had snapped in another section. They got it fixed. I got on the road within about 45 minutes. I did hit the peak hour traffic out to Ipswich. It was inevitable. That's fine. Uh, by this stage, I am still being, uh, I'm still kind of angry, but 
uh, kind of had resolved it to some point of just giving thanks to God. I just want to say that, you know, sometimes you just got to breathe and ponder and stop your attitudes. <laughs> and the more I did that that afternoon, the better I was. Because I had these thoughts, where am I going to find an auto electrician? Isn't it amazing when you do give some element of breathe, think normally. Stop being upset, stop being anxious. Oh, there's an auto electrician just a kilometer and a half away. Now, if that was the end of the story, that'd be probably okay. But the next morning, I wake up. I wake up. I have just put four brand new tires on my car before I left Gladstone. I have never had a flat tire in 15 years. Back tire on the driver's side is completely flat. It is like on, only on the bottom, but every time I turned it, it was still flat. <laughs> so I thought, this is a problem. I changed it for the new tire. I put, a new, I put my spare on there, and I'm thinking, once again, the anxiety levels rise, and I go, breathe, ponder, think, what am I going to do? Give praise to God. I look up Bob Jane T. Mark. I found one on Toomble side. They're everywhere, but I, I thought I'll get across town and I'll get, pray, God, don't give me another puncher between here and there. So I get to Toomble, Bob Jane T. Mart. I've got the tire and I'm wheeling it in. The manager, this is, because I got up at six o'clock in the morning to take off to Gladstone because I wanted to be there by lunchtime. You know what I'm saying? And uh, now it's half past seven and I'm going to be a couple hours late. I'm wheeling the tire in the Bob Jane T. Mart. Our manager opens the door and he says, I've got a punch. He says, come in. Could you fix it? He says, not a problem. Hey, get your family. Come in here for a coffee. I don't drink coffee. Uh, I didn't tell him that. Um, but anyway, we, he fixed it within half an hour. I'm back on the road and thankfully on my way. Isn't that good news? But, you know, the reality was how many things sometimes happen like that and we just don't stop the pause and ponder and just let God align our thoughts with his thoughts so we can then make rational decisions and not irrational ones. If there was one thing that God needed Joseph to do is to be a man who thought and aligned his thoughts with God. We'll finish the last thing in this one. An obedient man. Verse 24, Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. I love this. Joseph didn't hesitate. He was obedient, wasn't he? Straight away, um, when, when he knew the dream, he knew God's direction, he got up that next morning, took Mary. There's no better time. You're coming to live in my place. We're going we're gonna to sort this. You're my wife. I'm going to love you and care for you. And so we see Joseph was obedient to God. He was responsive to God. And no matter what the personal reputation and what people thought of him, he was responsive to God's um, commandments. Um, he didn't hesitate to take Mary as his wife. The thing he'd started months earlier in being her husband, he now completed and said, you come and live with me. They became husband and wife in that sense. Um, he embraced this pregnant lady and loved her. The second thing he does, I just want to draw your attention as I bring to the close and the team could come up, please. The second thing he does isn't as obvious in obedience to God, but it's an amazing commitment that he made to, to Mary. And, to, and, if, and if maybe Joseph hadn't did this, Maybe today there were people who would be questioning the authenticity that Jesus was born to a virgin. But Joseph did this. What he did was he showed the full extent of his obedience to God. Because remember, the angel has shared 
Joseph, what's conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. It's the seed of the Holy Spirit. No man's seed is the seed of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph thought it through. And we see in Matthew that Joseph, it says, he was so committed to this amazing miracle that a virgin, a young, beautiful Jewish lady, girl, could give birth with no man knowing her, that he said, you know what, I'm not even going to be intimately involved with Mary until Jesus is born. In other words, what he was saying, he was saying, I'm going to go the extra mile in my commitment to the commandment of God to take Mary as my wife. I'll not only love her as my wife, but I'll protect the integrity of the virgin birth so no person can ever question the truth of Isaiah 7.14. I'll protect the... Now, I, you and I know that it's very difficult to get pregnant when you're already pregnant. So intimate relationships is not a problem, but the reality was, Joseph said, no one can ever say about Mary that she had any human seed in her before Jesus was born because I'm going to protect that by never being involved with her until Jesus is born. What a commitment he made to this lady. What an obedience he was to God and his purposes for this whole the divinity and the reality of Jesus' birth. The virgin will be with a child, Matthew said. And, and Joseph said, she's going to remain a virgin. She's going to remain a virgin in that sense until Jesus is born. What a commitment. What an integrity he had. You know, because there would have been people that would have said, oh, just wait a second. Joseph, you sure? He says, I have not been intimately involved with my wife. What a, why was this? Because Joseph realized obedience to his heavenly father was something he wanted to fulfill to the highest level. I want to tell you, obedience brings about some of the greatest miracles you'll ever see in your life as you're obedient to God and his purposes. Obedience. You know, we, we want to see miracles. We want to see healings. You know what I find that also helps in seeing those things happen? Obedience to God's commands. To walk integral, to walk upright and just, uh, to walk uh, continually aligning my thoughts with his thoughts. And as I do that, I find that God will work in my life in amazing ways. Miracles will come about because of the greatest miracles all come out of obedience to him, to walk with him. Joseph was a man that God trusted. Can we stand this morning as we close? I want to just say God is still looking for such people today. God's looking for people who are not just accept Christ, not just maybe raise their hands at church, which is great, I love it, not just kind of sing the songs, but someone who will live in a way that God can, they can be entrusted with, with Christ in their life. Joseph was entrusted with Christ. Why can't we be entrusted with Christ to live in our lives? God chose to use us, not for our talent, not for our position, but he chose to use us because of the character of God in us. That's what he'll choose to use us. So this morning, I pray that'll be your prayer This, as we move into this Christmas, that we'll see one of the greatest ordinary men God used. And we're ordinary, and God wants to use us as we walk in these simple thoughts today. So let me just pray. Father, today, I thank you for every person as we move into this Christmas period and then into the new year, that we would be a people that would walk in obedience to your commandments, Lord. Not because we feel like we have to, but because we know you and we love you. That we would allow our minds to be aligned, Father, in worship with you. 
that Father, and out of that we would live justly. Not in vengeful attitudes, not in a bitter way, but to live, Father, with a heart to see even those who are broken and in sin that would come to know you as well. And Father, we commit ourselves to you this day in our families in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing one more song this morning.